LMA Talks, knowledge worth sharing. Hello and welcome to the LMA podcast series, a day in the life of bringing to life the various roles in the product and claims lifecycle to provide an understanding and to show a different perspective of these roles to our listeners. This series is open to everyone, but provides a specific focus in engaging young professionals to support, educate and provide practical insight. Our topic today, brought to you by the LMA Claims Academy, will be focusing on the day in the life of a delegated claims administrator. Tim Bolin poses a selection of insightful questions to our guest Duncan Wood, VP of TPA Services, Vanguard. Over to you, Tim. Welcome, Duncan. Before we dive into some questions, it'd be great if you could introduce yourself, please, and tell us about your career and how you end up in the insurance industry. Yeah, thanks, Tim, and thanks for having me. Uh, so uh, I've spent about 20 years uh, in the uh, London market, and the last 15 of those were with managing agency partners, the Lloyd Syndicate. I spent my entire time there working in the claims department, finishing up as a senior claims examiner and handling classes as diverse as property, liability, transportation, accident, health, just to name a few. Um, Once I had decided to look for a change, I realised that I wanted to move over and have a look at it, maybe on a USDCA operation, because I think there is a change in London as to what the expectation is and how claims are going to be handled. There's increasingly a recognition that the expertise in the US should be harnessed through increased delegated authorities, whether that's financial or or through denials, etc. And that leaves the guys in London to really concentrate on the complex claims and overall account management, which I think is what they should be there for. And by adding my knowledge and experience of what London's looking for, I think Vanguard hopefully is increasing their offering and providing another individual who, who London can trust when when assigning claims because I understand what it is that a claims examiner needs and at present I think we're probably working for almost every syndicate writing in the binder space. Thanks Dunk. Um, So why do Lloyd's MAs use DCA firms at all then? Why don't they handle the claims themselves? Well I mean that's a very good question. I mean just just to back up slightly is you know I would explain that DCA is effectively an extension of the claims department of that of the syndicate. And if you imagine the type of business that's being written under binding authorities, you can end up with thousands and thousands of claims. And when you're somewhere like the US where 50 different states might as well be different countries, you know, the amount of um, individual experts, uh, licensing requirements, uh, the resources that you would need just, just to undertake those claims, effectively we are taking those volume claims and those smaller claims off of underwriters' plates and and discharging them in a speedy and cost-effective way in most instances. Thanks, Dunk. Um, now, obviously, you mentioned you're an extension of the claims teams of those managing agencies, but actually, what roles do you actually perform then? From from what doing what to what? So, our role is cradle to grave. So, we receive the first notification of the loss. Uh, we liaise with insureds and the cover holders, the brokers, the syndicates. Uh, we instruct independent adjusters to go out and review losses, or we have examiners who handle those losses at desk level internally. Um, once reporting is obtained, we will either 
review the coverage in quantum and prepare reporting to London where necessary, or if a claim falls within the authority that has actually been provided to us and coverage is in place, we'll confirm settlement, we'll find out if there's any lien holders, any mortgagees, any other people who should be getting paid, and we'll arrange the settlement of the indemnity and the fees. And lastly, we, we have to identify and refer subright potential where underwriters could be making a recovery. That's great. Cheers. So um, so you're, you're effectively a full, full functioning claims team. How is your team actually structured and uh, what kind of management controls do you have in place? So it, it, it's a pyramid and, you know, it, we have a, a examiners organised into teams. There's probably four or five in, in a given team. Everybody in the entire organisation works out of a claims management system called FileTrack, uh, which is for everything from the inputting of the claims to the day-to-day -day handling of the claims and to all the reporting that comes out the back end. And those examiners are see, overseen by a claims supervisor and they're there to be used as a sounding board and also to review and approve reports and settlements before they go out the door. So that additional layer of uh, quality control. And then those supervisors who sit above the teams of examiners are overseen by a management team, uh, which is three of us. There's a claims manager, there's myself, the VP of claims, and then there's the senior VP of claims. Uh, and we're all available to consult on those niche or thematic problems or those, those kind of tricky ones that, that may be outside of the knowledge uh, of the examiners. And we're also there to ensure that you know, by regularly communicating and meeting and reporting with our teams that files get handled promptly and precisely. That's great. So um, obviously you then you handle those claims, you get them to a settlement stage and then you need to pay for them. Now, obviously, it's not your money because you're not the insurer. Um, how do you fund those claims payments? So the majority of the London market is still providing us with loss funds uh, in order to settle uh, claims and that, that is them sending money to us that we hold in a bank account, we settle claims from it and then we top up that fund through the collection of monthly boardro. There is an increasing use of the Vitesse platform whereby we don't actually hold the funds but we do have access to it and then just taking that a step further having mentioned Vitesse, uh, we've been heavily involved in the Lloyd's faster claims payment concept uh, as pilot partners and we really think that it could be a game changer uh, in terms of how quickly we're going to be able to make payments and avoiding the time that it takes at the moment in reviewing loss fund levels and chasing for top-ups. I think you're right there Duncan, obviously that faster claims payment is part of the future at Lloyd's delivery and uh, is certainly the way forward and if anyone's listening to this podcast and doesn't know much about faster claims payments I'd encourage them to speak to their management team about it um, because having uh, the use of Vitesse as a platform is key in actually delivering faster claims payments in the future. So, yeah, we are keen for the market to try and adopt that as soon as possible. Uh, thanks for that. So, Dunk, next question, um, and please try to answer without swearing if possible. Um, how does the board road process work? Who does what? And what would you say are the key challenges in processing fees through the board road process or processing claims entries through the board road process? So our claim system file track that I mentioned previously automatically generates the Bordreau in the V5.2 Lloyd standard Bordreau format. And that's based upon the details and the financials that have been entered by our intake team at the front end of the file, the examiners during the kind of meat of the adjustment, and then also by our finance team on the end. We then have a sense checking system. And once that's been approved, it's submitted to the London broker 
for loading and processing on the ECF platform. Uh, at the moment, we've also been working closely with Lloyds on the DDM process, which I'm sure you all know about, but it will eventually allow direct submission of Bordro and therefore result in a faster turnaround. Cheers, Duncan. I think one of the challenges at the moment we face is that once you've done your piece in producing the Bordro file track, validating it and then sending it on, there's just quite a few steps in the process um, as it is at the moment. So it goes to the broker who then has to do something, i.e. load it up into ECF and then a managing agency has to agree it. Um, and then once they've agreed it, it goes via a central settlement process where the monies are then funded back to the broker. The broker then receives those monies, bank them, and they then send the payment directly to you. So it's hardly a quick process. And that faster claims payment solution we're talking around effectively eradicates that. So um, just a uh, just an eye opener for anybody um, that's listening in. So my next question, I think, Duncan, is um, as you're an extension of the MA's claims team, how do you ensure that your adjusters act in accordance with the MA's claims philosophy? So we receive claims philosophies from all of our principles, and, and they are broadly the same. I mean, in, in essence, it's ensuring that an insured with a covered claim is paid the right amount as quickly as possible. But we do record all those separate philosophies uh, in the documentation that our examiners would review at the outset of a file so they understand what the expectation is for a given syndicate. So, Dunk, um, what settlement authority do you have and uh, how often do you need to refer back to London? And do you find any kind of uh, variation in authorities from London? Yeah, th there is a huge variation uh, and there really isn't any consistency. But then in each instance that an instruction is made, there will be a consideration to the class of business, uh, the volume of claims that are going to be produced and the, what the average file is going to look like. But that said, we have authorities that range between $25,000 per file all the way up to $500,000 per file. We also have a denial authority on certain programs, which has really been of great assistance in terms of reducing claims life cycles. One other thing I did want to mention was that with the volume of co-lead placed business in London at the moment, co-lead claims agreements have really been useful in terms of aligning authority and allowing us to work more efficiently. So if there ever is an instance where uh, you know a CLCA is on the table, I would urge you to, to utilise it in order to uh, increase the efficacy of your DCA. That's great, Duncan. And just a bit more on that, actually, while, while you've mentioned that, uh, we actually have had an agreement from Lloyd's that they're happy to look at whether we can create a co-lead claims agreement that cuts across all three bureaus, so Lloyd's, Lerma and ILU. So I'm hoping in 2022 at some stage we'll be able to have a cross-market co-lead claims agreement. Should That should help uh, even further um, across not just Lloyd's placements. So, so, Duncan, you've made the switch from carrier through to service provider. Um, what kind of insights have you got now you've made the switch? And um, probably more importantly, um, what would you do differently if you was back at a managing agency now, knowing how DCA firms operate? I think I would probably at this stage recognise that there are still too many actions, touch points and procedures that are undertaken in London simply because that's how it's always been done. I think that the market should have more faith in the ability of their trusted DCA partners. That said, recent developments that we mentioned earlier in this podcast have given me a great confidence that this new approach is being adopted and there is momentum for change as we move into 2022. Thanks, Duncan. Um, just one other comment I'd like to make as well on that. 
you talk about trusted DCA partners. We need to remember as well that when these authorities were set up decades ago uh, with TPA firms, um, we weren't in the same place as we are now. We're now in a world where every managing agency um, that uses a DCA firm, that DCA firm needs to be approved by Lloyd's. Uh, that Lloyd's approval process for DCA firms obviously kicked in from September 2020. Uh, and there's a much larger emphasis on the due, due, due diligence and onboarding of DCA firms, which should give those managing agencies greater comfort that what they're doing. And obviously a coordinated audit program in the background as well to provide that oversight and assurance that they're doing what they need to be doing. So yeah, I would I would agree. So finally, um, what makes your job more difficult and what can MA do to make it easier? Yeah, again, it's a good question to finish with, but um, th there are very few clients that we work with um, where we're not aligned. So th there's very few clients that we work with who don't do everything just like we do to try and make sure that our communication is regular and prompt, that our authorities are commensurate with the claims adjusted on a given contract and that we're all kind of facing in the same direction. Um, as we potentially move into a world where instant funding is available and direct Bordreau submission is possible and actually possibly even in future just live data streams through API so that a Bordreau becomes redundant. It's exciting to be working in a marketplace that's embracing this change and I would encourage everybody or anybody who listens to this to embrace that change when they can see that it's for the better, because it just enables us to discharge our duties to the best of our ability. Brilliant. Thanks, Duncan. Um, it's been very informative. Uh, really appreciate your time today uh, on that. So thank you very much for your time. Um, cheers. Thanks for having me, Tim. All right. Thank you, Tim. And to our guest, Duncan. That was very informative with some great insights there for our listeners into Delegated Claims Administration. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, which is part of a Day in the Life of series. LMA Talks, knowledge worth sharing.